everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins podcast, a podcast that is focused on spreading a message of encouragement, grace, and authenticity with a focus on life, leadership, and service to others. Today, I'm here with Kirsten Duncan, the podcast host of Unexpected Lunch, rock star executive in the biotech space, and my neighbor and friend. Welcome, Kirsten. I'm so excited that you're here talking with us today. Thank you, Sam. I'm thrilled to be here. And I have to say, the setup could not be better. It's a rainy day in Seattle on a Sunday afternoon, and we are at Kirsten's beautiful home, just cozy, and um, it's just the perfect way to spend a Sunday afternoon. So I'm so excited that you're here talking with us. And before we jump in, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the first thing that I usually define myself by is being a mom to three amazing young men, Ethan, Aiden, and Nolan. And in fact, I just dropped off Nolan at the University of Washington for his freshman year last week. So I'm embarking on yet another new chapter. And a new beginning. Oh my gosh! Um, but I, you know, I'm a person. I'm a curious person who loves to try new things, new adventures, and I've been able the last couple of years to really explore that side of myself. And I'll share a little bit more about that as we talk. Oh, well, I'm so excited for you to tell everybody more about this. And um, I want to comment quickly on when when you say that you dropped your son off at the University of Washington. Your new adventure is actually that you're an empty nester, right? So like your three boys are out of the house and making their own decisions. And so that is a whole nother podcast we have to do someday because my daughter's a senior and I'm already (laughs) feeling some of that. But um, I'm really excited to just hear and share with everyone else more about your journey and what the last few years have held for you. And before we start with your story and everything you've been to been through, you know, some people that will listen to this know your story um, and others won't. And so before you start talking, I just want to say something to my listeners. So listeners, you are going to hear Kirsten tell her story of what the last few years have held for her. And I promise you that there are going to be moments where you are thinking to yourself, like, that's just too much. That just seems like too much for one person. How is that even manageable? And I agree with you, first of all. Um, but what I want you to know before we start talking is that I, Kirsten and I have been neighbors for a very long time, but I would say that we really started a friendship walking through this podcast journey that we're both on together. Um, And I just have to say, Kirsten, you are one of the most loving, warm, and positive people I have ever met. And I just feel like you're such an amazing example of the resilience of the human spirit. And so I know that in this conversation, you are just going to push us to be more open, give more grace, give more love. Um, it's you just talking with you when we've had coffee or, you know, Thai food or anything like that. I just walk away being really wowed by your ability to extend love and grace. So thank you for being vulnerable and let's dive in. Thank you. So as I said, some of my listeners already know you and your story, um, but many of them won't. So you have been through a lot of major changes in the last few years. 
And your story includes heartbreak and resilience and growth. And I, as I said, you've always been so strong from the outside and really an inspiration. So can you just share with everyone a little bit about what the last few years have held for you? Sure. So just about four years ago to this date, uh, my husband of 24 years and I traveled to Indiana to drop our oldest son off at college. And I don't know why I had such a difficult time with this, but I cried when I only made two lunches instead of three. I cried when there was an empty space where his folded laundry should be. I cried in the car and I really truly was grieving the loss of his presence, but I in retrospect, I kind of laugh at myself a little bit because that was really just the real reason for tears was was yet to come. Mm -hmm. So six weeks after we dropped Ethan off of, at Purdue, I had come home from a week-long business trip. I was exhausted, and I was in the bedroom unpacking my suitcase, and Matt came in and sat on the chair, which was super – it was just unusual. Mm -hmm. And so I just – I was a little bit already off guard and he, he just blurted out, Kirsten, I'm gay. And oh, I knew in that moment, I knew my life as I had known it and loved it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was over. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went in for a mammogram and there was something unusual. So I was under surveillance for two years for breast cancer. And I, I didn't even, I didn't even tell people. I didn't tell my parents. I, I simply couldn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks after Matt came out, our middle son, Aiden, who was 16 at the time, was in a car accident and suffered a severe traumatic brain injury. And I happened to be in New York for a business trip at the time. And I got the call at 430 in the morning from the trauma center. Are you Aiden Duncan's mom? And literally, it's like my heart just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get on the first flight out to Seattle, um, but I didn't know. I talked with the neurology attending before I left, and I didn't know if Aiden was going to be alive when, um, when I landed. And so that then just kicked off this, this year where every time I felt that I was get, grabbing some footing, it, it would just come out from underneath me, you know, caring for a son with a brain injury mm -hmm. while unraveling a marriage. We had to sell our home. Um, it just felt like one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then just last year I was in a, a job that went to work one day and got the notice that effective immediately the company was closing down mm -hmm. as a single mom with yeah. that being my only source of income. Mm -hmm. I called my mom and I said, you know, I'm not a person who says, why me? But seriously, yeah. <laughs> why me? Why more? So yeah. that in a nutshell yeah. has been the last four years. Yeah. It's, and like I said, everyone, it's you hear it. And I've heard it before, but even sitting across from Kirsten again, hearing it, it's like listening to it. It feels like too much. Um, so how during that time, so how long has it been since that year? How long ago was it? It's coming up on four years. Okay. So in that first year and then beyond, how did you keep going? Like what was your source of strength? Because hearing it, it just all seems so devastating. The, the thing that kept me going every single day was my three boys. Mm -hmm. I 
I wanted them to know that they were going to be okay. And I felt that I needed to model strength, even though I didn't necessarily feel like mm-hmm. it. I felt that 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 was going to be my, my guiding strength. I wanted them to know how loved they were. I wanted them to know how strong they, they were and that they were going to be, they were going to be okay. So I would get up in the morning, I would cook breakfast, I would make their lunch, I would work, we would do dinner. And I just, especially that first year, it was Mm -hmm. almost on autopilot, Mm -hmm. but that really, that was my guiding sense. But the other thing is, um, you know, it's, there was, I was surrounded by um, family mm-hmm. and my parents and friends who literally picked me up mm-hmm. off the floor, cooked for me, cared for me when I just couldn't seem to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to have a friend who had, had she had experienced a traumatic loss in her 20s. And my friend Carrie was my absolute guidepost and she guided me she gave me support she gave me hope but most importantly she kicked me in the butt yeah when I needed to be kicked in the butt yeah she made me do really hard things and for me being able to follow how she was able to recover mm-hmm. I it provided me a path forward um but ultimately it it was and still is my three boys that ultimately gives me strength yeah I love that So you took a lot of that pain and heartache and you started a podcast. And I want to talk a little bit about it because I know we've talked about this before, but I, I read at one point not that long ago that authors often write about what they need to hear. And I feel like that a little bit about the podcast. I'm like, I actually, a friend sent me a picture of a bumper sticker the other day that said, um, I didn't want to go to therapy. So I started a podcast and I just started laughing because I'm like, oh, it's sort of true. Like a lot of the things that I talk about are actually things that I'm processing or needing to process in my own life. Um, and so tell us about the podcast. So what's it about and why did you start it? So the podcast is essentially stories of individuals who've been through something unexpected and used that to transform themselves into something amazing Mm -hmm. to rather than be changed in a negative way, what beautiful came out of that Mm -hmm. particular experience. And so when I first started searching for stories of myself, a straight person who was in a mixed orientation marriage where your spouse is gay, initially what I was, the resources that I was finding were not inspiring to me. They, Mm -hmm. they weren't, I wasn't connecting to Mm -hmm. them. And so, you know, one of the things that I did during sort of my journey with healing was I started listening to, um, was reading books. I was looking at inspirational quotes and I started listening to podcasts Mm -hmm. and I love Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. Me too. There's so many people who've had, they've been through something that you can't imagine, but then listening to their stories and how they use that to move forward was inspiring. But I also love um, how I built this. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I was fascinated listening to stories of, of all of these very successful people who had been through multiple failures. Mm-hmm. And I'm using air quotes around failure. So that really intrigued me. 
And I was listening to um, the interview, Emily Weiss, who is the CEO and founder of Glossier. Mm -hmm. She started out her career with a blog called Into the Gloss. And it was a blog about beauty products. And at the time, nothing existed like that. And literally, I was driving to Seattle to work listening to this. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a blog. And it's kind of... um, uh, evolved to go from the blog to now sort of a website, a blog and a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm absolutely, I was searching for stories that I needed to help myself move forward and found that, you know, it didn't exist. So I decided to create it. I love it. And so what do you hope that people take from the podcast? So another evolution was I originally was just going to be interviewing individuals in my situation mm-hmm. um, with a, a gay spouse. But as I've started, so as I've gone through this journey and I've read stories and I've talked to people, we all have a story. Mm-hmm. And many of us don't share our stories. You might feel shame. You might feel that it's a secret. You might feel that you're going to be judged. What I want people to know is that we all have a story. Mm-hmm. And by sharing your story, you give others the gift of being able to share their story. And ultimately, we all feel less alone. Mm-hmm. And the stories that of individuals that I've interviewed um, include um, individuals like me, um, someone with a brain injury, an individual who needed a heart transplant, and his sister started a, a nonprofit. So all of our stories are different. But what the feedback that I get is, I was I haven't been through that, but I... I took this away from that conversation mm-hmm. and I absolutely love that people can connect regardless yeah. of the situation. To their own lives. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, that is one of the things that I love about it. And, you know, I haven't been through what you've been through, but like you said, I, I also believe everyone has a story and we all go through hard things and we all have times in our life where we have to practice resilience and, um, I think what I love about it are the stories of love. And like I said, sort of that resilience of the human spirit, like you can go through really hard things. And for me, I love watching you and listening to you in the way that you just keep loving. And we're going to talk about that next, but just you are committed to peacefulness and warmth and loving and even in the midst of struggles and and heartache and I feel like a lot of the stories that you've done have those um, themes mixed in to them so I love it so much and so are you hearing from people that they're listening and that that it's impacting them I am and some of the things that people have said to me literally bring me to tears and you know I'll tell you because this is so it started out so personal and there's there's a lot of my story that I weave it just as I'm talking to people mm-hmm. because there's just such this, this connection and similarities. And, you know, it's so nice for me to, to, to get that feedback and to know that what I'm doing is useful and, and helpful because I've, I've had a lot of doubt and there've been yeah. many times and you and I have talked about yes. this, that I start and then I completely pull back yeah. and I, I, I don't do anything because I wonder, is this the right thing to be doing? Um, So I've had a lot of Mm self-doubt and I feel like whenever I'm in that moment of Mm self-doubt, somebody will call me or I'll run into somebody who will say, thank you so much. This touched me in this way. And I thought, okay. And literally then I'll come back and I'll schedule, I'll schedule another podcast. Um, So that's been 
it's, it keeps me going yeah. in those moments when I'm uncomfortable with what I'm yeah. doing. I feel the same way because I, as you know, you and I've talked, I feel uncomfortable a lot and I will feel in one moment, like really confident about what I'm talking about or what I'm thinking about or what I'm writing about. And like, yes, like this is good. And then it never fails. Like the moment I launch a podcast, I have that little pit in my stomach that is like, is this too much? Mm-hmm. Like, am I putting myself out there too much? Even on social media, I have that. It's like, Ooh, I kind of want to run back and hide. And then same thing. Like I, I get a comment from someone or a note of encouragement or a text or anything, you know? And I think, um, you feel the same way I do, which is when I really step back and I look at like, what is the point for me? It's like, you know what, would I do this podcast Um, if it changed one person's life and I would, because it's fun and it's therapeutic for me. And that is what it's about. It's about putting a message of love and positivity into the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you and I share that. Um, okay. I want to talk about one other thing that you and I share. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism. (laughs) So I know that we share this kind of funky achieving perfectionism thing. Um, And actually, I love how you say in your first podcast, as you were going through like all of this trauma in your life, you you were like, I'm going to be the best at recovery. Like I'm going to do it the best. I'm going to conquer it. And like, this is the plan and this is what I'm going to do. And I can totally relate to that. Um, and like I said, I haven't been through your experience, but I've taken that attitude with a lot of things in my life that I have, um, struggled with. And so my question for you is, is that something that you've always struggled with? And then, are you starting to be able through all of this internal work to let it go? So as a little girl, I was teased and bullied and that led to extreme insecurity. Mm-hmm. I didn't have confidence. And so I overcompensated by being the perfect daughter, the perfect mm-hmm. student, then the perfect coworker. Um, then that, that bled into being the perfect wife and the yeah. perfect mother so I was the, the woman who worked full-time at, um, at, at a job. I was also the PTA president mm-hmm. and also co-chairing our auction. Mm-hmm. I was baking cookies, driving carpool, going to every sporting event. Yeah. And so it, it's something that I've always used as, as, as a way to, to protect myself. And I've used it as a cover. But I will tell you that I, I didn't really know this at the time it was really just in in retrospect and and I will also say that getting divorced also Mm -hmm. eroded my self-confidence um you know I was left for somebody yeah and even though you know my friends would say well but at least it wasn't another woman but it really it doesn't matter it just there's that that lack of self-confidence and I was reading uh Sheryl Sandberg's book option b Mm -hmm. and she talks about that you know, her husband died, Yeah. but she talks about this, this lack of confidence. And I was relieved to read it because it just made me feel that what I was feeling was normal. Mm-hmm. And it was when I, I, one of my cousins gave me, this was after Matt had come out and I was in the middle of just 
sort of chaos. My cousin gave me the um, Brene's Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Oh yes. And honestly, it's I thought I should look in the foreword because I'm pretty sure that that she wrote this book for me. Right. It was it's, the first time that I recognized. I've always been an overachiever yeah. and I want to excel at everything, but I never realized that how it had come about and how I was using it as a protection mm -hmm. that really I was being so inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the books that was so instrumental for me. And I will tell you, I, it's something that I still work at. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my cousin encouraged me to take up golf. The old me would have never done that yeah. for fear of looking stupid yeah. or being terrible. I threw myself into golf and I absolutely love it. It's something where I can be outside. I'm with my boys or my friends. I've gone on golf trips and I don't keep score. Yeah. Um, but I have a fantastic time and occasionally I have an amazing shot. <laughs> I love that attitude so much. I actually used to, like the old me, used to sort of have a tagline where I would say like, well, I just don't, I don't like to do things I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't. And so I have some things I'm good at and I do those things and I do them like with full abandon. And um, now I really feel like through working on myself and, and being more intentional about how I want to live and how I want my children to live. Um, I have been able to sort of reverse some of that, but like you said, I, I still work at it too. I mean, in fact, today I just sent out my very first newsletter ever. And Which I loved, by the way, oh, it was great. fantastic. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> of course I got it in my inbox this morning and it had two typos in it. Now they were like letters, like one letter was off. And guess what I've thought about all day? Like, that is ridiculous. You, you thought about the two letters that were yes. wrong versus the, the entire newsletter. newsletter that was yeah. filled with fantastic it's information. It's just something. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lifelong battle, maybe for both you and I. Yeah. But also, um, as we know, everything starts with self-awareness. So I do feel like it's awesome to talk about it and give other people permission to talk about it. And um, I just... I, I'm so glad that you and I shared that and then we can talk about it together. <laughs> well, it was funny. I was talking with, uh, so I recently started a new job and was talking with the, my, my manager and asking her, how, how can I get involved in this? And how can I get involved in that? And she said, you know, why don't you just take a step back and let's just have you learn how to do your job first. Okay. I'm like, Oh, okay. Right, right, right. But, but so again, yeah. I, st I, I am aware of it, but yet I, I use, I still fight against it. Yeah. It's like, well, I should be I doing think. this and I should be doing more and yeah. I should be getting involved in that and taking yeah. over this. And it was yeah. a great reminder. And I think that's actually the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, so there's also an element and I do this too, but there's an element of like busyness there. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've always struggled with. And, um, and I know at one point on, I can't remember, it might have been, it was your first or second podcast where you actually reference that while all of these life-changing things were going on, you sort of lost your ability to be able to pay attention to anything or be present that you gave up your, your love of reading, any sort of contemplation. You just were like moving really fast, trying to juggle everything, keep all your balls in the air and like move through the pain at mock speed. Um, 
And so I was wondering if you would talk about that a little bit. And then can you do, can you identify now, like, is that busyness, was it in avoidance of like really slowing down? And then what happened once you really slowed down? So it was, it was funny because I remember being in the, in the ICU with, with Aiden and, and people had brought magazines and mm-hmm. I was paging through a people magazine and I honestly couldn't pay attention to a people mm-hmm. magazine. And if you can't pay attention to right. a people magazine, you've got a problem. <laughs> right. um, and I, as you mentioned, I love to read and I, I simply, I couldn't read because what I find is I'd read a line or two and I'd have to get up and I'd have to move and I'd have to do something. Yeah. And I, and at that time, and for probably, it was about six months, and whether it was reading or even being at work, I, I literally couldn't sit still mm-hmm. for work. I'd have, I'd get up and I'd go fold laundry, or I'd get up and I would do something. Mm-hmm. And it was, bec- it was absolutely, you're so spot on. If I allowed myself uh, space, um, what was going on was so overwhelming, yeah. and I just... I was just at that point, there were days where it was literally living minute to minute and day by day. And so keeping myself busy um, definitely was a coping mechanism. And so when I moved into this house, um, you know, I I turned 50 and the morning after my birthday, I woke up and I thought, oh my God, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have boxes to unpack. I didn't have change of address forms to fill out. And that was sort of my, I don't know if I would say it was my rock bottom, but it was just this realization that this is not my life. I don't want this. This was not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's when I finally realized how broken I was. And, um, I ended up very shortly thereafter. I was in North Dakota celebrating my grandmother's 100th birthday. Oh my gosh, what a lucky woman! <laughs> oh, she was she was incredible. She lived to 101. But I spent much of that weekend in my hotel room reading this book. Um, it's called Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser, and that was the first book that I read that was sort of the start of a million that I've read mm-hmm. since then. But it was it's a a book that's filled with stories of individuals who've experienced trauma, grief, Mm -hmm. and loss. And that was the first glimpse of, Oh gosh, you know what? Other people have been through things even that seem more tragic than what I've been through. um, And they are thriving. So that gave me the Mm -hmm. hope that I could do that. So then I Mm -hmm. um, got into therapy and, and you know, it's still, I, I, I will tell you, I still have to, force myself, you know, cause I, I either have a podcast playing or right. I, I'm always keeping my mind busy, busy because mm-hmm. even still, you know, now I'm sort of processing being an empty mm-hmm. nester. And there've been a couple of times actually this weekend where I've had to tell myself just to sit quiet and be quiet. Yeah, it is. I actually think that that's something that I, I don't know if I can say most people, I don't know if most people struggle with it, but Certainly everyone I know struggles with that. And I do the same thing. I mean, I can pack my schedule. I do pack my schedule. I busyness becomes, you know, something that is um, almost like a badge, I think, in our society. Mm -hmm. And so I now have gotten in the habit of like busy is okay. Like I am someone who likes a lot to do. And I like to be doing different things and I like to have, you know, a lot of friends, but, um, 
for a lot of different reasons, I realize now the value of being quiet and I have to really check myself. Like when I start to say yes to too many things, I usually will think for a moment, like, what am, what am I avoiding? Like, what's the work that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm avoiding right now by just saying yes to like random things, not things that really are bringing me a lot of meaning, but things that are actually, I'm just giving my time to. Um, And a lot of times I feel so much better when I'm just quiet. Can you just be quiet? I say that to myself all the time. (laughs) So hard. It is hard. touch on your journey as a family through this, because I think, you know, as you mentioned, your boys are your anchor. Um, and I just think that's so lovely, but one of the things that has really struck me is their braveness. I mean, they came onto the podcast and shared their story about their experience, how this family experience has impacted them. And I just thought that was so amazing because they're, you know, young adults, they're 18 to 22, I think. And I just, um, I just found that really amazing that you're already instilling in them that it's okay to be vulnerable. So I'm curious, just how was that for them? Was it scary for them to put themselves out there like that? So this, the concept of the the blog and the podcast and the website have like many things in life have evolved. And before I even started this, I asked Matt and the boys, their feelings. I really wanted their, not only their permission, but I really wanted their support in doing this because this was going to be putting some pretty personal information out and overwhelming support from and help from all of them. Mm-hmm. Matt gave me so many ideas and, and some contacts of people. In fact, turned me on to, um, the um, to Jen, who designed my website and, and yours mine, as well. Yeah, and I just, just love her. Fantastic. Oh and um, Ethan helped me with design, doing some website content, and, and Aiden is producing all of my audio. Nolan was giving me social media tips that I completely oh failed gosh. at. <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> but the support of an idea is really different than the support of a launched project. Yes, absolutely. And I think seeing our family photos, mm. um, seeing some of the sto- some of the blogs that I wrote, some of the things that I said in the podcast yeah. were really uncomfortable for Matt and for the boys. Yeah. And that was one of those times where I again, I took a step back and yeah. I thought I have to be thoughtful, am I following the right intention? Is this Am I doing what I intended to? And ultimately, each time I've taken a step back, I feel totally confident that I'm doing this in a loving, respectful Mm -hmm. way that embraces individuals and celebrates people. And so I really wanted um, the boys to come on. And the reason I wanted to interview my children was that I know that there are children out there who are in a situation where their parents are, you know, it could just be a a, a sort of a typical divorce. It could be children who find out that a parent is gay. I want other children to know they're not alone Mm -hmm. and that my children have gone on and these children will too. And so even he immediately said yes. And he was so excited And his podcast. It's the second one that I did. Mm-hmm. It blew me away yeah. in the moment when we were having our conversation, 
I wasn't really processing what he was saying because yeah. I was in tune with our conversation. But when I went back and listened to it, he is so vulnerable about mm-hmm. his dad coming out about um, thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. some challenges that he went through. And then Aiden originally uh, didn't want to be involved mm-hmm. and it took some time for him. And he, he's um, the focus of his podcast is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more on his journey after a brain injury, Yeah, but he also touches on his dad coming out mm-hmm. and thoughts of suicide. And so um, it has been terrifying, but they both ultimately did it because they want their stories to be shared, to give other individuals, whether it be children or just give others hope and inspiration. Yeah. Well, I thought it was amazing. And I think the stories are very personal. And um, I know that there was a point that I want to touch on that I know in hindsight was very painful for you when your son, um, I think it was Ethan Mm -hmm. talking about how he had actually discovered your husband's separate email and realized at that moment that his dad might be gay. And then he carried that around with him for two years and didn't tell anyone. And I just, one, I thought it was amazing that he at such a young age actually felt that instinct to try and protect you and the family And also I felt heartbroken for him and you that he carried around that burden for a couple of years. And so I know you didn't find that out until later, um, but I would imagine that when you found that out, it really impacted you. I still feel guilty and it wasn't, and I don't know why I feel guilty. I feel I just sort of feel I failed him Mm -hmm. as a mother. Mm -hmm. And when he told me that, I mean, it was just like, I felt like I had been punched in the gut. I felt, I I just, no child should have to carry a secret like that. And that secret was so heavy. And I am so thankful Mm -hmm. that he was able to, to share it and, and to release that because, um, that was just so painful yeah. for me to know that he, as, as a for between the ages of 14 and 16, that was something that he carried around every day. Mm-hmm. And he wondered, he said, each time we would have a family meeting, I wondered, um, am I going to hear, or each time he and Matt went out, might dad say something to mm-hmm. me? And, um, you know, Matt wasn't ready yeah. to share yet. It, yeah. it wasn't his time. And so, um, Yeah, that was really painful. That's a really hard. I just think as a parent, I mean, there is nothing um, more difficult, I think, than your children feeling pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. And I, you know, have felt that at times with my own kids, but this was so profound. I mean, their foundation as they knew it was sort of pulled or was pulled Mm -hmm. out from under them. Um, so is there anything that you feel like you did during that time of change for them that helped them form resilience or that helped um, give you the strength to coach them through their pain and not just crumble in a panic? So one of the things, and, and, and what I have to say is that um, my kids wouldn't be where they 
they are without also Matt. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was parenting them on one side, but I also want to make sure that I acknowledge that Matt played as important a role as I did. He mm-hmm. was so present. He's been so focused as we both have mm-hmm. on making sure, sure that the boys feel safe and feel loved. And, um, you know, I, I really encourage them to go into counseling. They, some did, some didn't, mm-hmm. but I kept bringing it up. And and for those that didn't want to, um, I checked with a therapist. I said, should I force them to go to counseling? And and no, when they're ready, mm-hmm. they will go. Um, I always had the, the, the door open for questions. Yeah. And even if, and, and rarely did they ask me questions. Mm-hmm. So I would put it out there. I, I kept bringing it up because I didn't, I didn't want there to be any more secrets. Yeah. We had had secrets before and so I will tell you that we've had some conversation. You know, the, I've had conversations with my three children that I never thought that I would, would mm-hmm. have. And I think that we, they knew that they were protected and loved. And I think that that was one of the most, that really that's at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if you feel safe and you feel loved, then there's that space for healing to begin. And we yeah. really, there's been a lot of, um, individual healing, but also healing together as a family. Mm -hmm. It's so, I think one of the things that I admire most about you is the focus that you put on love and respect through all of this, um, even in the midst of probably severe pain. Um, And I think, like I said in the beginning, what you've gone through is extreme in so many ways. In you know, having your husband come out, having one son having a near death experience, having conversations, you know, where you're having to talk about, you know, suicide. And, and I can't even imagine how terrifying that is in the moment. Um, and then being laid off and moving into being a single working mom. And it just watching you from the outside it's so much and yet as I mentioned earlier through it all every time I have seen you or come into contact with you and now I know you um, at a deeper level you continue to express love and I think what amazes me is that it's actually love for your children but it's also love for your ex-husband and I can't imagine how difficult that is sometimes Um, I actually remember commenting on it to you one time and saying something about how it was so amazing. And you, I don't remember your exact words, but basically it was something like, I don't have a choice. Like this is my life. He is my children's father. He loves them. And I want us all to be able to function, you know, together. And so it seems like you continuously make a conscious choice to love Um, And so how did you get to a point where you were like, I am making a conscious decision to love? And is that a daily choice? And does it get easier? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's, if that's, it's a really interesting question. So I think that my, my, the way I've approached this has, has somewhat surprised a lot of people in that I wasn't angry. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are so many complexities. Matt and I have been such good friends that in in some senses, I was so proud of him and so happy for him to 
be authentic and live who he is. And he is an amazing person who is a fantastic father. And I didn't want all of that just to end. And so Mm -hmm. it, I don't know that I I thought about it really consciously. Mm -hmm. It it really came from a genuine place. Mm -hmm. That is not to say that I haven't had moments of anger since. Um, But I also think that is just sort of what carried me through in the beginning was this love of my family. And I, I absolutely refused to let my family fall apart because our circumstances Mm -hmm. had changed that, you know, we can, we can map out a new family. We can figure out what this looks like. And I will tell you, this is still evolving. Um, you know, my comfort level and my children's comfort level, you know, as time goes forward, Mm -hmm. things change. And so we're still figuring it out. And I think that's normal. Um, and so there are days where it feels amazing. And then there are days where it feels less amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Amazing or less amazing. Yeah. I like those two. I'm going to start using that. How was your day? Instead of bad, it can be less, less amazing. amazing. It's a little less than amazing. Um, so now here you are. So would you say at this moment, there are any unexpected positives that have come out of this? You know, this is, again, this, this is one of the reasons that I started this podcast mm-hmm. was that life as you know it can completely fall apart. However, things are going to come into your life that you would have never expected. And there have been so many beautiful gifts um, that have come into my life. And um, as I as I think about where I am now, I've really been given an opportunity to come into myself and to mm-hmm. figure out who am I? I never in my entire life thought about who, who am I and what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I've been given the time and the space, which is though sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift. It really has been a gift. And my eyes have really been open to the beauty around me. I was sleepwalking through much of my life. Mm-hmm you know, being a student and then having a career and then being a a working mom, I just was sort of marching through life, taking a lot for granted. And Mm -hmm. I will tell you, there is nothing that I take for granted anymore. Having, having Aiden nearly um, die in that Mm -hmm. car accident really opened my eyes to what's important Mm -hmm. and that there's so much that's incredible. And, And I touched on this a little bit earlier, but the relationships that I have with my children now are so deep and so authentic. Mm -hmm. And I would never have that if it weren't for what we've all been through. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of them. And I absolutely love the relationships that we have. And I have developed beautiful friendships. I've met new people. I mean, as you and I mentioned, we knew each other, but Mm -hmm. not very well. And so I've had new people come into my life. I've traveled the world. I have a fantastic new job with an amazing company um, and I've grown in ways that I never thought possible. And yeah. so life has a way of working out. If there's one thing you could say to encourage other people listening to this that might be going through a hard time right now, what would it be? You're not alone and you are going to be okay. You're going to come out stronger and wiser and transformed. Mm-hmm. And within the pain and the fear, that's really where opportunity lies mm-hmm. and an opportunity to seek and to grow Yet it takes time. Yeah. And there are days, even now, where I think, oh, I'm doing great. I'm, I've, I've arrived. I've, I'm healed. It, it's all over. And then it might be a song or a smell or a picture. Mm-hmm. 
and it'll take you right back, but you're not at step one. And healing is just this very circuitous path. And you're going to meet many guides along your journey. And in turn, you're going to serve as a guide on somebody else's journey. Yeah, that is beautiful. That's so beautiful. I, I actually have chills right now. Um, so I know you are a huge reader. You have read a ton. <laughs> so if you had to give us some of your favorite books, can you tell us maybe just like three or four titles that you loved? There, there are so many books. Um, I haven't, uh, you, you would laugh if you saw my, my shelf. Um, some of my favorites are no mud, no Lotus mm. rising strong and do one thing every day that scares you. And this is my favorite. And it was my go-to Bible for about a year. And it's a little book that incidentally I was lost in Brooklyn. I was trying to find something and I bumped into this cute bookstore, went in and it was a little book and it gives you prompts on doing things to get you outside of your comfort zone. And this book, this was right in the very beginning of my journey when I was so afraid and I was so anxious and I decided that I was just going to absolutely run into fear. And I did it through um, paragliding, taking a helicopter lesson, taking a hip hop dance class and <laughs> dancing in the front row. And mind you, I'm not a dancer Good for you. Um, traveled to solo countries where I don't know the yeah. language, took up golf. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that when unexpected things happen, we're f- the un the unknown can be so fearful yeah and I needed to overcome my mm-hmm. fear and by doing by using that little book there's really very little I'm afraid of <laughs> so what's it called what's it called do one thing do every one thing day every day that scares you that scares you okay I'm gonna buy that I will say I am I've jumped into fear too although you have taken it a little bit further than I have. <laughs> I still have not been skydiving or taken a hip hop class. Um, okay. And we always end with a quote. Do you have a favorite? I do. And this was, this goes back to that book broken open. That uh, was one of the first books that I read. And one of the very beginning quotes is, and the time came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Mm, I love that quote. Well, I would love for you to tell everybody how they can connect with you and find your podcast. Sure. So uh, I have a website, which is an unexpectedlaunch.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook for Unexpected Launch. And um, I have a pot, my podcast, Unexpected Launch, is available on all major podcast platforms. So good. So good. Everybody go listen. Okay, so that's a wrap. I hope you've all enjoyed it. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and review this podcast. And join me next time when we continue to dig into the topic of resilience. This has been so fun. And the next story is really cool also. It's actually about a woman who really felt true loss through Hurricane Katrina. And then she just sort of pulled herself up by her bootstraps and made the conscious decision to rise up and pull others up with her. So it'll be a really fun conversation. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace. 